Today we will be reading from Luke 8, verses 4 through 10. If you do not have a Bible, our ushers are coming down the aisles. Raise your hand, and they will be happy to give you one. If you do not have a Bible at home or know someone who needs one, you can keep this one as our gift to you. Again, we will be reading Luke 8, 4 through 10. If you have one of the Bibles that were handed out, that will be on page 812. Follow along as I read. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on rock as it grew up. It withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that they seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. Let us pray. Father, we want to give thanks at always, as always for another day on this earth, another day to praise your name with others. As we hear the, the sermon this morning, Lord, uh, I just pray that we not only hear with our earthly ears, but we hear through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, you can have a seat again. Uh, this time I get to say this. Good morning. My name is Mike Lee, and I get to be the pastor here at Mission Valley Church. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, last week, I was out of town for the week. Uh, my wife and, and I took the kids. Uh, we went on vacation. And while we were there, we did what we often do. We went and visited another church. And the name of the church isn't really important. We just like to go visit other churches and see what God's doing in, in different places. Um, and so it was great to be there. It was great to fellowship. Um, and sing and hear God's word with other people. But it's so good to be back here with all of you. Uh, I'm glad that I get to be your pastor and I get to go to church here with you. Uh, if I've never met you before, I'd sure love to do that. And so there's a couple ways we can do that. The first is I'm going to be out in the courtyard uh, right after service. I'd love to shake your hands, hug, fist bump, whatever you're into. Uh, if you want to do something a little bit less personal, uh, fill out one of those Connect cards. Uh, we'll talk more about it at the end of the service. But just fill out those Connect cards and turn those in at the info table. Get that free gift and I'll reach out to you this week uh, by phone or or, or text or however you want me to. And then the third way that we can meet, if you want, just send me a text, 602-763-3331. Um, you can shoot me a text, give me a call. Uh, I'd love to connect with you that way. Sometimes people will say, do you really want us to do that? Or is it really okay if we call you? Is that, is that all right? And this is what happened uh, just a couple of days ago. I was, I was at, we, were at, we were in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's about three hours ahead of us right now because they do that whole spring forward thing. Thank God for Arizona. We don't have to adjust clocks. Uh, but yes, yeah, thank you. Okay, I didn't know you'd be that excited about it. I hope you're excited about other stuff we say today. But, but that's good, too. But anyways, uh, so we were there. We were, we were in Washington, D.C., uh, and it was late, you know, late for an old guy like me. I was going to sleep, uh, and I get a phone call. I get a phone call from a number that I don't recognize, and I was like, wow, I better answer the phone. I don't know who this is. And it was Miss Shar. Miss Shar called me, and she said, I just want to let you know, Pastor. She goes, is it okay that I called you? I said, yeah, it's totally okay. What's, what's going on? She said, I just want to let you know that my sister is going to come to church on Sunday. I'm so excited she's going to come to church, and she's here today. And those are like my favorite phone calls to get. So yes, you can certainly call me, 602-763-3331, especially if you want to tell me really good stuff like that, like I'm inviting a friend to church. So um, those are the ways that we can meet. Today, we continue in a series that we're calling Jesus 
the perfect life. We're just looking at the life of Jesus as we're walking up to and getting ready to uh, spend time together uh, for Easter. In today's text, Jesus is going to teach using a, a, a parable. And a parable is really, it's a story that has a point to it. It's, it's kind of a made-up story, but it's also relatable to the audience, and it's got a, a direct point. And in this case, the audience lives in a time and a place where farming is sort of a normal way of life. And so Jesus is going to give a parable. He's going to give this story uh, that they would have been understanding of. It's about soil, and it's, it's about seeds. It's kind of a, uh, that kind of story. Uh, it would have been very familiar with those people. And the problem that we have is I was thinking about preaching this. I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to get up there and preach to a bunch of city folk. Like, y'all are city folk because we live in Phoenix, right? See, in Phoenix, we wouldn't really categorize this as a farming area because we have plenty of sun and a lot of concrete and some rocks, and we're a little bit short on water and soil, right? And so I was like, well, how am I going to make this relatable to a bunch of city dwellers like you all? Like, I mean, I mean, how am I going to make this so that you can grasp it? But fortunately for you all today, you, you, you have a gift, and that is that you have a pastor with a special set of skills that allows me to relate to this story. You have a pastor that has a special set of skills that helps me just take this information and give it to you. And that special set of skills comes from the fact that I myself am a farmer. Yes, I know you're shocked, but it's true. I am a farmer. That is to say I'm basically a farmer in that for the first 20 years of our marriage, Penny wanted us to have a garden at our house. And after the 21st year, I put one in for her, right? I, I put in a garden. Yeah, after 20 years. It only took me 20 years, and in the 21st year, I put one in. And so basically, I'm a farmer. It's a garden. It's a garden bed. It's about 12 feet long, uh, 8 feet wide, and it's, it's about 2 feet deep. And, and in that garden, we grow all manner of things. And by we, I mostly mean Penny grows all manner of things. We have all kinds of stuff in that garden. And, 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 and so there's a, a lot of expertise that I'm bringing to the table today as we're talking about this farming thing. Our, our, our garden is, 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 is big, and, and and I know a lot about it. Specifically, what I know a lot about is the soil. Here's what I want you to know. Uh, just a little bit of math here this morning. Our garden is 12 feet by 8, and it's just roughly 24 to 30 inches deep, and there's two of them. And so they require 9 cubic yards of soil each for a total of 18 cubic yards. Just stick with me for a second. If you're not into math, just I've double-checked these numbers. It's going to be okay. Each cubic yard weighs between 2,000 and 2,700 pounds. And so my two gardens together took about 45,000 pounds of soil, and I moved every one of those pounds. I moved every one of those pounds. Yes, I did. Yes, from my truck to the garden bed. And so while I don't profess to know a lot about all of the aspects of farming, I do know much about the soil because I moved a lot of it. And so here's, here's the thing I want you to know is I know a lot about soil. And you might ask yourself, well, why would you do that? Like, why would you move all this soil? Why would you move? I mean, Pastor Mike, surely you had more important things to do than move 45,000 pounds. It sounds like a lot when you say it like that, doesn't it? 45,000 pounds of soil, which I moved. Why would you do that? Well, the first is for love. It's for love. There's few things that a man in love won't do for his wife. And those of you, the, the men in the room, you know you do all manner of things that you don't particularly want to do for love. Dave's back there shaking his head. I've been to his house. I see the man's remodeling it all the time. Good job, Dave. It's very, very good. I see some of the other men shaking their heads, and they're like, yes, I do a lot of things I don't like to do, but I do it for love. And so I, I'm very much in love with my wife, and so she wanted it. And even though it took me 20 years to give it to her, uh, I did eventually give it. 
because delayed obedience is still obedience. And the number two uh, reason, the number two reason uh, that I did this is because a garden simply will not grow without good soil. I mean, it just can't do it. it. It just won't grow. And so all the planting and all the watering and all the, the weeding and the pruning that Penny's going to do, all that stuff that she was going to do on the back end, really wouldn't have worked if I didn't put the soil in in the first place. And so as it turns out, the soil is an integral part of the farming process. It's an integral part of the farming process. And as a farmer, I'm aware of this. And now you city folk are also aware of it too. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. You said, I'm just mostly joking. I'm mostly joking, but I'm a farmer and you're not, and so I understand your jealousy. So a good question to ask yourself when you're getting ready to plant seed would be simply to ask yourself, how's the soil? If you're getting ready to plant seed, you would ask yourself, how's the soil? Is the soil ready? How, how is the soil? And in today's text, Jesus will teach us a parable that's about soil. And while the parable is referred to as the parable of the sower, I think it could have just as easily been titled the parable of the soil. It would have been aptly named the parable of the soil because the interesting thing about this sower in this parable, that the interesting thing is the one that's, that's scattering the seed, he is scattering it everywhere. He's scattering it all over the place in all these different types of soil. And we'll see that the, the, the stage of the soil or the type of soil is going to have great impact on what will happen to these plants. But what he's doing is he's just sowing the seed everywhere. I want us to understand this today, church, that the sower is not worried about wasting seed. He simply spreads it everywhere. If you forget a lot about what I'm going to say today, if you forget all the things that I talked to you about, about math and soil and poundage and all that stuff, I want you to recognize that the sower is just throwing seed all over the place. And this is instructional to those of us who follow Jesus. This is instructional to those of us that follow Jesus, and it brings us to our big idea today. The big idea is simply this. Jesus commands us to spread his word everywhere and to all people. If you're going to clap for when I say we don't do daylight savings time, I mean, somebody give me an amen for that. Jesus commands us to spread his word everywhere and to all people. This is what he said in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you all always to the end of the age. Go. It is the directive. It is the command that we go. We should go. But to where? Well, he says, all nations, to every people in every place, to every single tongue and tribe across the pond and across the street. Go. Go to those people. Go out to them. And what will you do when you get there? You will teach them and you will baptize them. Literally make disciples. Teach them what Jesus taught and baptize them in his name. So, side note, you will have a good idea when you are on track with this because your hands will get wet. You'll have a good idea like when I'm doing this because your hands will get wet as you're baptizing people in his name. We are supposed to go. And of course, all of this is very all-centric. You see, Jesus doesn't command us to go to one or some, but to all. He says, go to all the people. Go out to all of them. He does not command us to pick and choose, but to go to all. He doesn't command us to have some sort of a high conversion percentage where we're so focused on people believing that we forget that we are simply to go, but to literally go to all people. And we see that at the beginning of this parable. This is an all-focused parable. This is what it says in the text that was just read to us. It says, and when a great 
great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to see him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said to these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the sower goes out, and he's just throwing seed all over the place. Recognize this, it's just throwing it everywhere. To be perfectly honest, the sower's not particularly worried about where the seed lands. He's simply spreading it everywhere. I want you to imagine a sower walking around, a farmer walking around with a bag full of seed, and he's just literally throwing it everywhere. He's just putting it everywhere. He's putting it all out, all over the place. And it falls in a couple of different places. Some of it falls on the path, literally the place that he and others were walking around. It just falls down on the path. Some of it is going to fall into the soil where it will never get deep. Deep roots. It's going to fall into like shallow soil where it's never going to be able to get deep roots. It's in bad soil, harsh soil. Some of it's going to fall into soil where it's going to be choked out by thorns. Some of it's literally going to just fall in those places where, where it's just not good soil and these different thorns and, and bushes are going to choke out the seeds. And some of it, some of it is going to fall into good soil where it will produce a crop. And sometimes I think that we are too concerned with finding the perfect place to put the seed when what we are in instructed to do is share it with everyone all over the place. Sometimes I think we're walking around like we have the perfect seed, and if we could just find the exact right place to put it, if we could just find the right exact spot to put it, then maybe it would grow. And I think what we're being instructed to do is to think of the bag of seeds. We have all of God's Word, and we should just take it and heap it out amongst all the people. Just throw it everywhere. Just throw it everywhere. Don't be concerned where it goes. Throw it everywhere and allow God to do what God does. And I think that's the instruction here. See, sometimes with parables, people will say, well, I don't really understand this one. Sometimes we read parables, people will say, I don't really understand that. I need, I need somebody to help me understand it. Or sometimes people will say, well, I don't really get that parable because I think Jesus left that open for interpretation. But in this particular parable, Jesus tells us exactly what he means. You don't have to leave here with any question about what does this parable mean because Jesus is literally going to explain it to us. This is probably why this has always been my favorite parable because I like the fact that Jesus just taught us exactly what he says. In Luke 8, uh, 9 through 10, it says, And when his disciples asked him, what this parable meant, he said to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables so that seeing they may not understand and hearing they may not seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. But Jesus is literally going to tell us what he means in this one. In this one, he's literally going to explain it. In the next couple of verses, he's going to explain it. And so from this text today, we're going to draw five key points. If you like to write things down, uh, you're welcome to do that. The first key point is this. The Word of God must be shared, and we are those who share it. The Word of God must be shared, and we are those who share it. This is what it says in Luke 8, 11. Now the parable is this. Here he goes into the explanation. Here you don't have to worry anymore. What does this mean? What is he talking about? Seeds and sowers and soils. What's he talking about? Here he goes into explanation. Now the parable is this. Here is the explanation. Let me plate it up for you. Here it is. The seed is the Word of God. 
That's what the seed is. What do you want to know? What is the seed? What is it that we're supposed to share all over the place? What is it that we're supposed to throw away all over the place? We're supposed to just sow anywhere. Everything. So it's the word of God. That is what it is. The seed that the sower is scattering all over the place is the word of God. It is the word of God that we scatter, not with scarcity, but with abundance. We just toss it everywhere. You can literally tell anybody because Jesus can save anybody. You don't have to worry so much about it. It's the entirety of the Word of God. That is the seed. It is what is left for us in His Holy Word. This is it, the seed, the Word of God. Here it is, and we can share it with anybody, with all the people. It's certainly more than, but it's absolutely not less than the gospel. The good news, the good news that God loved us so much that even though we were sinners, He sent Jesus down here to earth. That while Jesus was here, he lived the perfect life that you and I never could. He died the horrific death that you and I deserved. And he defeated that death so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. And that is the good news that we should be sowing all the time. That's the good news that we are just to tell everybody, all the people. And we need to sow that seed generously. We need to sow it generously. Just give it away. We need to spread it all over the place. Yes, tell your best friends and your parents and your children, but also tell your neighbor and the person down the street and the person that lives in the country whose name you can't pronounce. Tell everybody the good news of Jesus. Find a way to work it into conversation with coworkers and Uber drivers and waiters and waitresses. Who are you to keep that to yourself? Who are we to keep that in our heart when we know the good news that the whole world needs? We should find a way to do it. And we do this by building relationships with people and earning the right to have gospel conversations with them. We can sow that seed everywhere. You don't have to wonder, what should I do with this one seed? You have it in abundance. Give it away. Give it away so much. God's word, just tell everybody. Think all too often, we, we just we hold on to it so tight. And I want us to imagine that we have it in abundance to give away in abundance. God's word must be shared to all people everywhere. So sow that seed, sow it near and far to everywhere and all people. Second thing I want us to see this morning is this. Some will hear and not believe, share anyway. Some people are going to not believe and yet we are to share anyway. We have no control over who believes and who doesn't believe, and so we just share it anyway. This is what it says in Luke 8, 12. It said, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Here is a really sad fact. Some people will hear the good news and not believe. They'll hear that good news and they won't believe. They'll hear that good news that Jesus came and did this amazing thing, this miraculous thing, and they won't believe. They'll hear it, and they'll know it, and they won't believe. And if you've been faithfully sowing seed, faithfully sharing God's word, you know that there are some people who just can't believe. They just won't believe. God hasn't changed their hearts, and they simply do not yet believe. And I want to encourage you as your pastor who loves you, sow anyway. Sow anyway. Go out and share anyway. Go out and share again and again. Just so anyway. Just tell people anyway. And here are a couple of reasons why. The first is this. You don't know who will or won't believe, so it's your responsibility to share. 
And I think sometimes we make a decision for people. We decide that that guy that we work with could never believe. We've decided that, and that's why we won't share it with him. We've decided that that one family member could never believe that somehow Jesus could never save that person, and so we don't share it with him. We hold on to it. And it's so selfish. It's so selfish to know the good news of Jesus and not give it away to all the people. And I think too often we do that. And we do it when we decide, we just, we've just decided, well, that person, yeah, I mean, Jesus could save me, but not that person. We functionally believe that because we just won't share. To walk around like you know who will believe and not believe and then pick and choose is more than selfish. It's actually cruel. It's cruel. I think about the, the summer that Brian Brubaker shared the gospel with me. And I think about how unbelievably cruel it would have been for him to spend that summer with me talking about football and, and, and other sports and music and politics and never talk to me about Jesus. It would have been unbelievably cruel. We could have spent all summer long and had all kinds of really interesting conversations that would have never led me anywhere towards Jesus. It would have been unbelievably cruel for him to do that, but he didn't do that. Here's your second reason to sow, even when those that don't believe. Sometimes when you sow, you won't be the one to see the harvest, but a seed will be planted anyway. Church, understand this, that sometimes you will tell somebody about Jesus and you won't get to be there the day that Jesus actually saved them, but a seed will be planted anyway. Every time I tell my salvation story, I'm quick to point out the name of Brian Brubaker who told me about Jesus, and I'm too, I'm too slow to point out the name of Mrs. Sterling who held a VBS who held the VBS that I went to when I was about nine years old on, for the kids on County Road 31. Uh, my grandma and grandpa lived out in the country in Ohio. We were on a, a county road. I would spend every summer with them. And there was about 15 of us kids that lived on this street. And Mrs. Sterling put on a VBS for us. We lived out in the country, so we weren't going to go to the nearest church. And so she just put a VBS on for us right there in her garage. And for a week long, every single day, she would call us over to her house right there in her garage and she would do a Bible lesson with us and she would share the gospel with us and she would give us a snack. We would do an arts and crafts and we would play a game. Every single week, she would tell me about Jesus and she didn't get to see what happened the day that I finally believed. But for a week solid, she shared the good news of Jesus with me. You don't always get to be there when somebody finally believes, but so anyway. And the third is this, when you share the gospel, it will remind you of the good news that you need every day. I think the thing that we don't realize is that when we are out making disciples, we are the disciple that's being made. When we're out making disciples, we're the disciple that's being made. And if you'll go out and share the gospel of Jesus with other people, you will see it in your life. You will be reminded of it in your life. You'll be reminded of your need for it. When you are intentionally going out and telling people about Jesus, you'll be reminding yourself of how much you need Jesus every single day. I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago, and they said, I just don't know how to get any closer to Jesus. I don't know how to get any closer to Jesus. I feel like I know all the things I'm supposed to know. I feel like I do all the things I'm supposed to do. I said, are you living on mission with him? So what do you mean? I said, are you out on his mission with him? Have you joined him on his mission? Are you out? Are you going? Are you teaching? Are you baptizing in his name? They said, no. I said, go get on mission with Jesus and watch how close you'll feel with him. You see, when we get close on mission with Jesus, when we're sharing about Jesus, we're telling people about Jesus, it'll be so good for us too. 
There's good reason to share even with those that don't believe. Here's the thing I want you to know, church. We are not responsible for belief. We're not responsible for belief. We actually have no power over belief. We are responsible to share. So share and leave belief up to God. Share and leave belief up to God. Here's the third thing this morning. Some will hear and fall away, but share anyway. Some people will hear the good news of Jesus, and they'll believe it, and they'll fall away, and we are to share anyway. Luke 8.13 says, And the ones on the rock, the ones that fell on the rock, are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. Here's another sad fact. Some people will hear and believe, and then they'll fall away. They'll believe the word of God, but it will not take root. And when times get hard or God does not give them what they want or what they think they want, they'll fall away. Jesus actually warned us about this often. He warned us that people would fall away, that people would turn away. And Jesus was not surprised by it, and we shouldn't be surprised by it either. But Jesus also told us of times that those who truly believed would come back. You see, if you've truly believed in Jesus, if you've truly been saved by Jesus, even if you go away, you will come back. It is not possible to leave the faith forever if you've ever actually believed. One of the most beautiful stories in the Bible is the, is the story of the prodigal son. It's found in Luke chapter 15. And while I don't have time to read all of it, I'll simply just tell it. There's a man and he has two sons. He's got these two sons and the one son decides that he wants his inheritance early. I don't know if anybody's ever done this. If you've ever gone to your dad and said, hey, dad, when you die, I'm probably going to get some money, but I'd like to have it now. That sounds like something I would have done. Um, I did that to my grandpa one time. I wanted to buy a 65 Mustang. And, and I was like, hey, grandpa, any chance I could get that money now? And thank God he said no. All right. But anyways, uh, otherwise maybe this story would be about me. But here in this story, uh, this, this son, he goes to his dad. He says, hey, can I get my inheritance early? And the dad gives it to him. He says, yeah, here, take it. And the son goes and he does what dumb kids do. He squanders that money. It's all gone. And he finds himself in a horrible situation. He actually finds himself at one point in time trying to eat uh, uh, from the trash, basically, but eating garbage, basically, eating what pigs are eating. It's, it's, he's in a really bad situation, and he decides one day that he should just go back to his dad, figuring he's hit rock bottom. I'll just go back to my dad and ask if my dad would hire me, because at least my dad's servants eat better than I'm eating. Maybe I can go be a servant for my dad. And so when he goes, when he goes and he's, he's on his way home, uh, he gets close enough to the house, and the father hears about it, that his son is coming home. And the coolest part in the story is that the father runs out to meet his son. He he runs out to meet his son. He runs out. He embraces him. He, he, he says, bring a cloak and put it on my son. Bring a ring for his finger. Kill the fatic and we're going to have a party because my son is home. This is a reminder that if you have fallen far away, if somebody you care about has fallen far away, the road home is so much shorter than you think. If you've found yourself and you're far away from Jesus, if you believe but you find yourself today and you're far away, maybe you're listening to this sermon and you feel so far away from God. Maybe you have a friend or a child that seems so far away from God. I want you to know that the road home is so much closer than you realize. And so when people fall away, we can go after them and share again, believing with full confidence that Jesus can save anyone. And that anyone who has truly been saved by Jesus will come home. Fourth point this morning is this. Some will believe, but look to other things to save them, disciple them. Church, some people will believe 
in Jesus, but they will look to other things. They will look to functional saviors to save them, and those people need to be discipled. This is what it says in 8.14. It says, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Some people will hear the good news of Jesus, but their belief will be choked out by their belief in other things, things they look to to do that which only Jesus can. Pastor and theologian Tim Keller calls these things idols, those things that we look to to do that which only Jesus can. I often talk about the big three idols, money, sex, and power, each of these idols making promises that it simply can't keep. Money, promising security and happiness, but always falling short when times get really tough. tough. Sex, promising happiness and satisfaction, but when used outside of the context of God's design, only producing shame and guilt. Power, promising security and the absence of pain, but never able to truly keep us safe in this broken world. And of course there are others, and you and I know them well. These things that we look to do that which only Jesus can. These things that we don't like to admit have become our functional saviors, even though we know a true Savior. One of the saddest stories in the whole Bible is found in Luke chapter 18. It's the story of the rich young ruler. A man comes to Jesus and fully believes in him. The saddest part of the story is the man comes to Jesus and he really believes in him. He believes who Jesus is. He believes in him. And in this story, he says, I want to follow you. I want to follow you now and I want to have eternal life with you. And Jesus says, good, sell your stuff, give it away, give your money away and come follow me. And the guy leaves sad. Jesus literally says, hey, come follow me. I'm going to give you all of that you wanted. I'm going to give you more than that. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you so much more than you've ever asked for. But the guy leaves sad. It's one of the only places in the Bible where someone truly encounters Jesus, who believes in Jesus, believes who Jesus is, and he leaves away from Jesus sad because the man's belief in Jesus is choked out by his belief in money. Money is this man's functional savior, and it's keeping him from the full life Jesus has for him. What's choking out your belief in Jesus? What's choking out mine? Is it security? Is it money? Is it power? Is it the, the comforts of this world? Are those things getting in the way of the life that Jesus really has for us? What's getting in the way this morning? A good prayer for us might be in that situation, God, please help our unbelief. Help us to cling to you so tightly that we simply cannot cling to anything else that gets in the way of the full and abundant life you have for us. What's getting in the way today? For that man, it was money, but what is it for us? Church, don't fall into the trap of knowing Jesus but not truly living for Jesus. Don't fall into the trap of calling Jesus your Savior, but looking to other things to save you. And then finally, we get into some good soil. Finally, get into some good soil, and we see what happens. Point number five is this. Christians hear, believe, and produce. If you wonder what Christians do, those who believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that's what a, a Christian is. This is what they do. Christians hear, they believe, and they produce. This is what it says in verse 15. As for that, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast 
in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Those who hear the word and believe the word will produce fruit. Here's the amazing thing about a garden. Here's the amazing thing I've learned about gardening. A seed of corn either produces corn or it does not. It is simply incapable of producing anything else. A seed of corn cannot produce an apple. It just can't happen. Uh, Nor can a carrot seed produce a stalk of celery or a lettuce seed produce a watermelon. Seeds produce what they are supposed to produce, and Christians are supposed to produce other Christians. It's what's supposed to happen. That is the fruit from living your life as a Christian. There should be more Christians. It's how you know that they're Christians. And so a good way to test how well you are following Jesus' call to go teach, baptize, and make disciples is to simply ask yourself, what am I producing? A good thing that you could ask yourself this morning is simply, what is it that I am producing? Look at your life and ask yourself, what am I producing? And if you find yourself saying, well, I've produced a lot of really good works, I think Jesus would say, okay, but I told you to go, teach, make disciples, and baptize. And I think if you were to say, well, I've produced a lot of money, I think Jesus would say, okay, good for you. I've asked you to go, make disciples, tell them about me, and baptize them. I think if we say, well, we've built this building or paid it off or bought some property, I think Jesus would say, surely you did that then so that you could go teach, disciple, and baptize. So where have you gone? Whom have you taught? Who did you baptize in my name? And who are you discipling? It's a good question to ask yourself this morning. What are you producing? As a matter of fact, until you have gone, taught, baptized, and discipled someone I'm not sure you're really truly following Jesus. Let that sit in and sting a little bit. It stung me this morning when I preached it to myself at 5.30. I'm going to say it again just in case you didn't catch it. Until you have gone, taught, baptized, and discipled someone, I'm not sure you're truly following Jesus. If you've heard and you do believe, then you must produce. It's what has to happen. It's what makes sense to happen. I told you at the beginning of this sermon that, that I'm a farmer, and here are some things that I've learned in all of my two years of watching Penny Garden. The first is this, I can't make anything grow. I just can't. I can't make it grow. I I can water it. I can weed it. But if you put a gun to my my head, if you literally put a gun to my head and said, there has to be corn here tomorrow, I can't do it. I simply can't make anything grow. And likewise, I can't make any of you believe. I can't make anyone believe. I'm telling you, church, if I could, I would. There are people in my life that if I could force to believe, I would do it. If there was some pastoral power that came when you took this stage that allowed you to force people to believe, I would totally do it because there are people in my life that I desperately want to believe. People in my life that I am desperately convinced that if something were to happen to them in the next day and they were to die, that they would die not knowing Jesus, that they would be separated from him for eternity. And if there was anything in my power that I could do to make them believe, I would do it. I'd do it. There's people in my life whose names I know, who I pray for every day, and if I could do anything to make them believe, I'd do it. 
And if there's anybody in this room that doesn't believe and I had the power to do it, I would force it on you. I would make you believe, but I can't. Only God can. Only God can give you the faith to believe. Only God can change your heart and make your soil right. Only God can do that. I simply spread the seed and invite you to believe. I simply spread the seed, and if Jesus gives you the faith to believe, uh, then I can help you get discipled. Then I can do that. Then I can help. But all I can do this morning is spread the seed. God's word must be shared. And while there is an entire Bible worth that I can share with you, here's what you need to know today to believe. You need to know the gospel. If you're in here today and you've never heard this, it's simply this. God made the world and it was beautiful and it worked exactly like it was supposed to. But then man sinned and we broke it. And we see the evidence of the brokenness of this world all around us. We see homelessness and cancer and death and pain and bullying and horrible things that happen in this broken world. It's what happens as a result of our sin. And the worst part of our sin is not all those things that happen. The worst part of our sin is that it separates us from God. God being so perfect, he can't be around sinners. And so we were separated from God, but God loved us so much that he would not leave us in that separated state, refused to leave us in that separated state. And so he sent Jesus down here on a rescue mission to save us. And while Jesus was here, he lived the perfect life that you and I never could. He died the horrific death that you and I deserved, and he defeated that death so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. That is what you need to be able to believe. Can you believe that this morning? Can you believe? And if you can, can you pray? Even right now, where you're sitting, can you pray, God, I am a sinner and I'm sorry. I believe in your son. I believe in his life, death, and resurrection. I need you to save me because I cannot save myself. Can you believe that? Can you pray that? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that is like a seed and we thank you. We thank you that you made our hearts ready for that seed. For those of us in the room that have believed in you, that have been saved by you, God, we thank you for doing that which we couldn't do for ourselves. And if there's anybody in the room that hasn't believed in you yet, God, we ask you to do for them what they can't do for themselves. We ask you to save them. Give them the faith to believe. For the believer, God, I ask that you would help us, remind us, convict us to sow your seed generously, to tell others about you, those in our families, those in our neighborhoods, those in our schools, in our places of business, uh, in our community, and far beyond that, God. Convict us to sow generously. Help us to live on mission. Help us to go, teach, make disciples, and baptize in your name. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.